Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Hi there, Doxaday family. It's so great to have you join us today. My name is Aidan Lee, and we are in a sermon series called Awaken to Life. We've been exploring a few ideas with this sermon series, but mainly we are looking at the thought about what would a life look like where instead of you know, trying uh, and focusing on my own performance, what if I start focusing on God's faithfulness towards me? What would a life look like that is in step with simply following God's voice, following the cloud of His presence day by day, step by step? Before we dive into this week's sermon, I want to share a story with you about myself. So I grew up in a family of five. I've got two older brothers. They are actually twins. And um, the way we approached chores or, you know, some responsibilities in and around the house while growing up looked as follows. So firstly, I need to definitely repent to any of my family members that may watch this because man, me and my brothers, we sucked at doing chores. We were so bad at taking up responsibility, helping in and around the house. So my parents had to get creative to get us to do our chores. And um, what they did was the following. So every month, my dad would take an A4 uh, piece of paper. Our names would be at the top of that piece of paper. And then every single day during that month, we would literally write down underneath our names all the different chores we would do that month. Now, the catch is every chore had a value connected to it in terms of money. Now, it wasn't a lot like washing the dishes was like two rand, you know, feeding the dogs was like five rand. I remember cleaning the pool, mowing the lawn or washing my dad's car. I mean, that was like a big payout at the end of the day. That ranged anything from between 30 to 50 bucks. So that was like a big score for us. So we would do that throughout the month. And then at the end of the month, my dad would take that piece of paper. He would tally the amount, you know, in terms of the value of the chores that we had done that month. And then he would pay us that money. And that would be our pocket money for the following month. Now, why am I sharing a story with you as to what our chore duty looked like as kids? Here's why. Because I believe that more often than not, we actually approach relationship with God like it's a chore list, like it's something we need to tick off. You know, it's something I have to get to. It's something I need to do in order for God to love me, in order for God to, in a sense, pay me spiritual pocket money at the end of the day. And more often than not, when we think like that, when we think that the Christian walk, when we think that relationship with God is something that I have to do, have to get at, have to succeed in, we end up tired, exhausted, burnt out. So with this series, Awaken to Life, we're exploring the thought that we are not driven by performance or expectation We're actually drawn by grace. It's not a to-do list. It's not a religion. It's not a set of do's and don'ts. It's 
closeness, its relationship with God. And today that's the the element we want to dive into. We want to dive into the element of living close, living close to God. Now, this might not be news to you, but in every single relationship, you would be very much aware of this, especially if you are married. But in every single relationship, you kind of have some insecurities, right? So right before you start dating, you're kind of insecure. Am I good enough? Am I attractive enough? You know, is he going to like me? Is she going to like me? In every single relationship, we deal with insecurities. And if you are married, you would know this very well. But in the close you get to one another, so the closer the proximity gets between two individuals, the more aware we start becoming of our insecurities, and that's where we start compensating, right? So if I'm insecure in the way I look, insecure in my bank balance, insecure in my value or worth or whatever the case may be, we start compensating in certain areas. Now, the thing is, God does not want us to live with insecurities. God does not want us to feel distant from him because of our own failures or our own insecurities. He wants close proximity with you and me. But our insecurities, not God's insecurities, because he has none, right? He's God. It's our own insecurities so often that keep us at a distance from God. And the problem with insecurities in a relationship is it brings about either one of two possible outcomes. So firstly, we either end up disqualifying ourselves completely from that relationship. Moses was really good at this one. Like you can go read in Exodus 3 verse 11 and later on in Exodus 4 verse 10, every single time before he actually agreed, but every time God called Moses to a closer proximity in terms of relationship and then equipping him and calling him to actually go do something, you know, deliver the Israelites out of Egypt, Moses would immediately disqualify himself. He would go, God, who am I? to go to Pharaoh? Who am I to go to Egypt? Who am I to do this thing that you are asking me? Later on, he would start making excuses going, God, I'm not eloquent enough. I'm slow of speech. I'm really not the right guy. You see, Moses in his insecurity kept himself at a distance from God. Gideon is another guy really good at that. (laughs) You can go read in Judges chapter 6 when God calls Gideon and he calls him even a very specific name. He says, mighty man of valor. What does Gideon do? He makes an excuse and he goes, God, not me. All right. My clan is the weakest. My family is the smallest and I am the smallest in my family as well. Please don't send me. Please don't call me. Insecurities keeping us at a distance from God. But the truth is, friend, God does not want us to live with insecurities. Instead, he wants us to live in security. (laughs) See what I did there? God doesn't want you to live with insecurities. He wants you to live in security. But the unfortunate fruit of an insecure heart, you know, the, the insecure heart in terms of who am I? Why am I here? is firstly, we disqualify ourselves from relationship with God. We start thinking, 
I'm not good, good enough. You know, I'm, I'm way too bad. I've done too much, said too much. How can God ever love me, let alone use me? We disqualify ourselves. But the second unfortunate excuse about an insecure heart in terms of who am I? Why am I here? Is we start pretending. We start posing. We start trying really, really hard to live the good, moral, Christian life. And I think especially in South Africa, that is where a lot of Christians are. We just try really hard to not sin. We try really hard to live a good moral life. I try really, really, really hard to be that person that they preach about on a Sunday. And I strive and I perform and I try my best to be holy. But you know the problem with that is that is so exhausting. Man, that is an exhausting way to live the Christian life. The other problem with that, the other problem with this mentality of pretense or posing or performance or whatever you want to call it, the problem with that is the, the finish line or the goal line or the ideal that you need to get to in order to be finally acceptable in God's presence, that ideal keeps moving every single time. Just as, just as soon as I start thinking, I'm finally close enough, I'm finally you know, good enough, acceptable enough, holy enough, then what happens? I either fail you know, and it's a setback or that finish line moves further and further away. An insecure heart will end up disqualifying itself from relationship with God or it will start pretending it will start faking it, right? Fake it till you make it. What a stupid thing to say. But an insecure heart will have one of those two outflows. Let me ask you this quickly. What is your excuse? What disqualification or what pretense have you been hiding behind every single time God calls you to a greater sense of intimacy with him? What are some of the things that run through your mind? God, I'm not good enough. God, I'm not smart enough. God, I'm not qualified enough. God, have you seen my family? God, have you seen the, the issues I have, the struggles I struggle with? God, please don't call me. What's your excuse? What's your disqualification? You see, Jesus says in John 10 verse 10, he says there's a specific reason why he came to earth. You know, we all know this. He came to die, to be raised again, you know, so that we can live in relationship with him. But he says in John 10 verse 10, I have come so that everyone who follows me can experience life. And so that they can experience life in what? In abundance. That's a very key word. A life in abundance. So what does that look like? What does a life look like that is living in close proximity to God? What does living close in Christian terms even mean? I'm going to share a few quick thoughts with you. The first thing, the first kind of key concept to living close to God, you know, being in close proximity relationally with him is this thing, to exercise hearing his voice 
exercise hearing his voice. There's a very interesting word that is used uh, kind of all throughout scripture and it's a Hebrew word and the word is Shema. You can say that quickly wherever you are at, say it with me, Shema. It's a Hebrew word and it's especially used in the Old Testament and that word Shema, it means listening or hearing. An example of that would be in Deuteronomy 6, Verse four to six, it says the following, hear, O Israel, so listen up, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today will be on your heart. That hear, O Israel, listen up, O Israel, that is the word Shema. But the interesting thing about the word Shema is it is synonymous with two things. It is synonymous with listening and obeying. Want to know something that's real interesting? They, uh, they only had this one Hebrew word in terms of listening and obeying. They did not make a distinction between the concept of only listening and the concept of only obeying. To people who read this, when they read, Hear, O Israel, the invitation was, don't only listen to this, but listen and respond. Hear and obey. So technically, we can say, that you have not listened, you have not heard God until that which you have heard is translated into action. They didn't have separate words for these two ideas. It was one word. Now, let me ask you this. What's the last thing you heard God say to you? Remember, hearing is not only sound waves entering my ear and my brain <laughs> interpreting those sound waves, listening is more than that. Hearing God is more than just the interpretation of sound waves in my brain, all right? Hearing God means I listen, I interpret, I hear what he's saying to my heart, and there's an action that flows from that which I am hearing. What's the last thing? you heard God say. It's a key concept if we want to talk about this whole idea of living in close proximity to God. Now, you see, a big focus for us in this series is the fact that we're not drawn, uh, we're not driven by performance or expectations. Instead, we are drawn by grace. Jesus says in John 15 verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Now that sentence alone can kind of be confusing because if I read only that sentence, you are my friends if you do what I command you, that can kind of lead me to start thinking, I first need to do and then Jesus will call me friend, right? I first need to do and then God will accept me. You might be thinking, I first need to pray more and then God will love me. I first need to read more Bible and then God will love me. I first need to, you know, stop with that secret addiction, the secret sin that I've been struggling with and then God will love me. But that is not, all right, that is not what Jesus is referring to here. What he was actually busy saying when he said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. He's making a statement. He's actually saying that the very 
logical, the very logical next step when I realize God's incredible love for me is a love response itself, right? We don't mind sacrificing for those we love. We don't mind doing things for those we love. We don't do them because we have to. I don't serve or love or bless my husband because I have to. I do it because I want to. You see, the truth is you'll never be able to love God enough. <laughs> you know, if it's dependent upon your ability, it'll never be enough. You'll never be able to pray your way, you know, closer to God, read your way closer to God. The best thing that you can do is first have this realization that he is the one who calls you by name, who gives you identity, and from that place, activity starts flowing from us. But a key concept to living close to God is hearing his voice and then following it, right? Going into action, listening is both hearing, receiving, and then it flows into action. Hebrews 10 verse 16 says, this is the new covenant that I will make with my people in that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. You know what a law on my heart means? It means I follow and it means I obey and it means I do whatever because I first had the realization that I'm loved, I'm accepted. There's nothing left to prove. There's nothing more for me to do. Jesus did everything that was necessary so that I can live in close proximity to him. Friend, there's no working your way to God. There's no earning your way to God. There's no proving your merit when it comes to relationship with God. Jesus, the son of God, he did all those things. He proved, he earned, he did the work that was necessary so that you and I can be in right standing with God. You see, laws don't change us, right? The law of performance and expectation will say, don't steal things, you know, but only grace will actually enable my heart to give generously. The law of expectation and performance will say, don't murder people, that's wrong, right? But only grace is actually um, enough to enable me to love people, to love my spouse, to love that guy or that lady I pass in the street. Hearing God's voice, living close to him, doesn't come from trying hard enough, working hard enough. It comes first from a realization of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And from that point, activity starts flowing out of me. You see, sometimes we approach relationship with God like a chore sheet, right? Something that needs to be completed, something that I can bring, something that I can do, you know, to earn my way back into God's good books. Before I end off, there's another piece of the story um, of my own upbringing regarding chores in our home that I haven't shared with you just yet. So I shared with you that, you know, we would do a whole bunch of chores. My dad would take that tally at the end of the month. He would calculate it. He would give that to us as our pocket money. 
But what I didn't tell you was how bad I was at this activity. For whatever reason, being too lazy, too busy, too spoiled, too whatever. But man, I sucked at doing chores. I was so bad at it. My two brothers, so good. They would make like two, three, four hundred rand pocket money each month. And like my little pathetic six rand tally each month would be so embarrassing. Like I remember being so embarrassed at the end of every month when my brothers had these long lists of things that they had done that month in the home. Washing cars, doing dishes, mowing the lawn, you know, all those things. And for whatever reason, I was never good at that. But something that I do remember is I felt so embarrassed. Every time I would walk past that little pinna board in our kitchen, I would feel so guilty because I would just go, man, I suck so bad. What's my problem? Why can't I just do these things that my parents ask me? My pathetic little six rand tally at the end of each month. You know what my dad did? He took that A4 piece of paper every single month he would sit, he would calculate, then my brothers, you know, 300 rand, 400 rand, very nice, very nice. And then he would get to me and he would see Aiden's six rand tally. You know what my dad would do? He'd pay me pocket money anyway. Why? Because I deserved it? No. I definitely did not deserve it because I hadn't done anything, right? He paid me an amount of pocket money anyway. Why? Because he's my dad. He loves me. He wanted to lavish me, to bless me. He wanted me to experience something of his heart in terms of his generosity towards me. Do you think my dad just had extra cash lying about the house to waste on his three kids? No. Even if I had zero worth at the end of the month in terms of the chores that I had done, my dad would pay me pocket money anyway. Why? Because he loves me. Friend, there's nothing you can do to earn your way to God. When it comes to living close, it's about hearing his voice, being attentive to his spirit. And there are practical things you can do to, to do that, to make sure that you are living in close proximity to God. And we, I'm going to like run through those practical things. But the number one thing is I can't give you the practical things, you know, for you to be in close proximity to God. If you have not yet accepted the fact that in Jesus, the work is finished. You see, so often in church, we jump to the practicalities. We jump to the fact that you need to read your Bible, pray, be in church, do community, and all those things are super helpful. Don't get me wrong. But if that's my starting point, then I've already set myself up for failure. When it comes to living close to God, the starting point is identity. Who am I? Why am I here? The starting point in terms of living close to God is the fact that everything that needed to be done for me to live in close proximity to him has been done. So lastly, some practical things that you can do. Set out some intentional time to spend in the word, to read. Set out some intentional time to pray, speak to God. You know, oftentimes we go, God, speak to me. We have all these big expectations but maybe God just wants you to draw close. There's a reason why 
Elijah, when he was weak and at his most vulnerable, he said, God, I want to die. But there's a reason God chose to reveal himself in a what? A whisper. It says that God wasn't in the wind. God wasn't in the fire. God wasn't in the earthquake. God came to him in what? In a whisper. Why? Because whisper implies close proximity. Make sure you are attentive. Make sure you quiet yourself often to get into God's word, to spend time in prayer. And yes, to spend time with God's people, church life, community life, being connected to other people who also follow God. Those practical things are are necessary, they are helpful, and they are definitely key building blocks when it comes to living a life that's close to God. But the number one thing, your starting point, is the fact that the work has been done for you. You see, God doesn't want to compete, compete for our attention. He wants us to come in a quiet anticipation and to value His voice above all other voices. During the Israelites' journey across the desert, it's pretty wonderful to think that it, it can be harsh because, wow, they wandered for so long, you know, so unnecessarily long. Why? Because God was trying to communicate with them. God was trying to explain to them, reveal to them that they should enjoy the promiser long before enjoying the promise. I want to end off by praying for you that you would desire to live a life that's close to God, not based on your own merit, not based on your performance, not based on how good a Christian you've been this past week. But I'm going to pray for you that you would be saturated with the truth and the knowledge that when Jesus said on the cross, it's finished, he meant it. He wasn't lying. There was no terms and conditions. There was no hidden agenda in the statement where Jesus says, it is finished. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that there's nothing more we can do. There's nothing more um, that I can prove or perform in order to earn my way into close proximity with you. In Jesus, I am close to the Father. And Father, I pray for each visitor, each partner, each family member um, spending time together watching this, that your Holy Spirit would draw them by grace, that you would set them free from the burden of expectation and performance, that we would rejoice in the fact that our Father loves us. He desires to bless us. He desires to live in close proximity with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.